Welcome to the Arise Podcast with Danielle Castillejo and Maggie Hemphill. Conversations around faith, race, justice, gender, and the church. Thanks, Maggie. Um, it's so good to be with you today. Even though we're in the same town, we are apart. So we're following the rules and all of that. But yeah, we're so honored today to have members of Restoration Counseling with us on the air. We actually have three. We have the founder and a counselor, Chris Bruno. And we have Beth Bruno, who's the Chief of Strategic Initiatives for Restoration Counseling. So welcome. And, Thank you. Good to be here. And then we have Tracy Johnson, who's the spiritual and who's a spiritual and story work counselor, and she leads the virtual team. And uh, as a side note, she's also the founder of Red Tent Living, a mentor, a mom, and all those things too. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you guys. Uh, we're delighted to see your faces uh, together, but separate. And I uh, would love to just check in with you. How are you guys holding up? What um, what has this experience brought up for you? And how are you maintaining sanity amidst all of the um, anxiety that's happening? Tracy, why don't you go first? Hmm. Well, I guess for me, it's um, I have both adult kids and I have kids that are still in school. So my youngest is 13 and an eighth grader. And then I've got a sophomore in high school. And then I have kids that are grown and out of the house, um, two of whom don't live in the same city with me. So, mm-hmm. so kind of experiencing all of the layers of what it is to be like, all of a sudden I'm homeschooling, which after almost 30 years, 30 years plus of raising kids I've managed to avoid. Um, <laughs> and that was intentional. And so now it's here and, um, and it's as bad as I thought it would be. So I've got that going on. And then also, you know, talking to my adult kids and feeling just that distance. Um, they're far away. And my, uh, my one daughter lives um, in Grand Rapids and we don't have any family there. And so even just talking to her on Friday, um, she's really alone. She's got, I mean, her boyfriend is there, but um, there's no home to go home to. So, yeah, so I have, I have lots of feelings about what's happening, um, in addition to what I'm hearing and holding for clients and, um, and those that I engage with in, in other spaces. Well, I can totally relate to the avoiding school at home. I am right there with you. I have three kids at home and uh, it's not my favorite and my kids are, it's not their favorite either. And I was like, Hey, like, I feel that I actually didn't go to school to be a teacher. So like, I, you know, I, I feel that this is awkward. And so, yeah, I'm holding that for myself as well. You know, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Bruno, tell us how you guys are doing. I think initially I just was wheeling from so much loss, mm-hmm. so many canceled, um, exciting things that were coming up for all of us um, in our home. And so it's just one thing after another. This mm-hmm. is the dominoes fell and still fall, um, feeling so sad and so disappointed initially. And then anger, because what's next after that? And, um, and now it's a little bit of fear and anxiety, a sense of feeling out of control and not knowing really depending on who you read and what you listen to, what are we really actually looking at? And that sends me into a little bit of panic if I'm too long in those spaces. Um, 
so I've realized I need to stop just living in the news and um, limit it severely for myself, which really just means bookending my day and not spending all day long looking at things. Um, And that has helped emotionally for me. And then we're just really trying to be purposeful about getting outside frequently, just doing something that gives us life every day. And that has been really grounding for us. What would you add? Well, and I think one of the things we did today, which was really fun, was we emptied out our garage rafters, right? All the things that you throw up in storage that you should never keep, but you always do. And so we we emptied that out a couple days ago, and we found this giant um, piece of paper backdrop that Beth had for um, some photography stuff she did like years ago. And so we took that and we put it on our fence. It's like 12 feet by 25 feet. Yeah, it's giant. It's <laughs> so we, we unrolled that and fought the Colorado wind and uh, stapled it, duct taped it onto our fence, which is a very prominent fence kind of in the neighborhood, and then invited people to come and um, journal, draw, write, oh. um, say things on it about their you know gratitude, prayer requests, you know, kids' doodles, whatever it might be. And so that felt, it felt really good to be actively communicating with our neighbors in the midst of our separation. Um, so that was really grounding today. We drove, we drove past it a couple of times as we were out, we took a hike today. And so, um, you know, we drove past it to look and see, and it was just great to see the little messages that people had drawn. One little five-year-old put her name along with the like rules that we put on the thing, right? She, she put her name there. So, that was just so that's how we're coping. That's just so much complexity in all of it, right? It it feels like a max oh. out, a max out. Like you have to juggle grief, you have to juggle juggle having kids, or maybe you don't have kids, and you're you're juggling working at home, or you're juggling losing a job, and you can't apply for unemployment, or, you know, it seems like even my friends with high speed internet, they're like at different times during the day, it just throttles, you know, because yeah. the internet wasn't made for the whole world to be on it at the same time, which is basically yeah. what is happening. Right. Uh, just the logistics, the personal things, it, it's overwhelming. And um, what something that caught my eye was on your Instagram were some ways that your counseling center in Colorado is offering virtual like help and support for leaders and for pastors and, and for average Joes too. So I, I'm just curious, like, how does that look? Yeah, I mean, so the, the mental health field over the last couple of days has pretty much gone online, which I think is a beautiful opportunity for people to, when care and access to care is significantly reduced um, face-to-face, we can still do things virtually and provide care um, virtually. One of the things that we really wanted to address, though, is, is beyond just the one-on-one counseling that can continue to happen with us or with other counselors, it is the group spaces in the moments of trauma that create uh, an ability for us to process as a community and uniquely in this in this time, right, our group spaces are so deeply limited mm. that we wanted to answer and step into some of that with offering group spaces so that there could be uh, a communal lament mm. and a communal uh, celebration of gratitude um, and maintaining those levels of connection. So. 
So that's what we did is that we, the kind of first thing was to create those group spaces for a variety of people. Um, we really just asked our team to, to think about what is their yeah. niche? What's their passion already? What are they already finding um, as a theme in their client load? And what could they offer around that? And so as a result, you saw what you saw. You saw mm-hmm. some specific and unique offerings to people in full-time ministry because we have people who have that kind of background. Um, you saw um, a group for women who've experienced trauma in their background and are being triggered in unique ways because of that, that Tracy is offering because that's her passion and specialty. Um, something for yoga, trauma-informed yoga, and something for high school seniors who just lost their senior year and college freshmen who are just moved out of their dorms with our life coach, Nicole, who has been an RA for a decade, and that's her passion. So what we asked our team to do was just to really put on their creative hats last weekend and come up with something that would be a unique offering based out of their skill and passion. I love that. I love the idea of having these groups, this group that has a specific focus and, and that there's someone who's really passionate about it and can speak directly into that. Tracy, I would love to hear a little bit more about your group and how you facilitate it and what that looks like. So my group actually starts this coming week and there's still a few spots left in it. Um, and we'll be meeting for about an hour and a half. And the focus is really just to provide a place for each of the women who are coming to be able to name what what is it feeling like for them right now. So it's not a space where we're going to be doing a lot of digging into their stories of trauma and working inside of that or processing that, but really more talking about how are they noticing that what's happening in the here and now today is hitting those places that they know are tied to trauma from the past. And again, just giving them a sense that they're not alone. There are other women that are feeling that same thing because what happens is we start to feel alone. We start to feel isolated. We start to feel like nobody understands. We don't belong. And and then we spiral right into hopelessness and depression. So my desire is just that, you know, for the next six weeks, which is what our plan is, that this could be a safe space for women who know they're just in need of a touchstone right now, and the price is really affordable. That's the other thing. Maybe they've been in counseling, and maybe they've had to stop that because they've lost a job right now, so they can't afford that cost each week. Or maybe they are out of counseling, but they're realizing now, ooh, I could use a little bit of support. Um, or they might be seeing a counselor, but they could use a little extra. Right. So those would be the, the women that... Um, we would really be appealing to and, and hoping would come for what I'm offering. Is that open to women all over the country? And like, what's the group size limit? It is. So the, um, the limit right now is eight ladies. So I've got room for eight. And I think I've got two or three slots still left. Um, and uh, yeah, it doesn't matter where you are in the country because we'll be doing it virtually. Just the time would have to work for you. Mm-hmm. So it meets from 7 to 8.30 Central Time on Thursday. Yeah, I just, when I think about that and I thought about what Beth said about grief, I've encountered a lot of friends like me, like a couple times during this week, or actually more than two or three now, I've had to just lay down and take a nap. 
And I haven't had the chance to take a nap in a few years. <laughs> and I just get to the afternoon. I'm like, oh, I'm tired. And then I mentioned it to a friend and, and she's like, oh, I've been taking naps too. I'm tired. And it's well, strange because I'm doing far less. But you're not. Mm -hmm. This is the thing that's so interesting that we're hearing people articulate is that the move to working at home, while it seems like, oh, well, I'm doing less. No, you're actually, you're doing more because uh, what we're finding is that companies are planning meetings like back to back to back to back to back to back. Mm -hmm. And those normal rhythms of your workday, you've lost. So even just the, you know, getting up to go to the bathroom or to go get your coffee or for your lunch, or maybe you're going to go talk to your person that works on the other side of the office. That's all gone. So you're sitting wherever you are on your couch doing these meetings back to back to back. Uh, and, and all of that along with just the collective trauma that we're all holding, right? The fear, the anxiety, um, the unknown, the losses. So I, I just, what you're saying, Danielle, I'm hearing that again and again and again. Mark and I were just on with some friends doing like a little virtual gathering and uh, the men were all talking about how tired they are, that they feel so much greater levels of exhaustion working at home than they did going to the office. Well, that and the place of rest has now been turned into a place of work and the line is blurred because you could work longer, you could work different hours. And so then you've lost that, you know, that transition time where you can like shut off the brain, you know, work mode, and then you ride the bus home or whatever. And that, that, that space is gone. But even the physical space, like you aren't leaving your home. And so now your home has become your place of work and you can't turn it off. Um, and I also just, you know, echoing Beth about the consumption of media and news, um, that that also plays into your brain is like processing all of that. And the more you consuming it, like your mind won't turn it off. And so I find that for me too, like Beth, I also am cutting down how much I'm reading and what I'm reading because it just, it's not helping. It's making it worse. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think just the impact of staring at a screen all day. I mean, most of us already stared at screens a lot, but we had those kinds of interactions that Tracy just explained, like getting up, walking down the hall, taking these kinds of breaks. But I was saying to Chris the other day, your eyes are just bright red, like bloodshot and fury. And he had just been in front of the computer for the last nine hours without a break. And I think that adds to it as well. We're just, we're working in entirely new and different ways. And so add that, to the collective trauma and no wonder we're all exhausted and feeling fragile and thin. Those are the words I keep coming back to. Is mm -hmm. I think we're just all feeling thin mm -hmm. and our window of tolerance is just getting smaller and smaller. And so we're falling apart over things that normally we would never fall apart over. Um, and then we think, what's wrong with me? What's wrong mm -hmm. with us? Mm -hmm. And not normalizing it. That should be how you feel. That mm -hmm. should be your normal reaction. That's how we're all reacting right now. This is crazy. <laughs> yes, that's what a friend of mine said when I was just like, I'm feeling this, this, this. And she's like, Danielle, we're in a worldwide pandemic. I was like, oh, yeah, this is like worldwide. So that kind of just like <laughs> brought some clarity for me. Like, this is global. There's no way I'm going to control it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, what about like you? Different. 
Well, different people are experiencing it differently as, as well. Like I have uh, a lot of conversations this week of people who are in the older generation who have history and memory of other global events. Mm. And then I've been talking with younger people, um, you know, 30 and younger, 20 and younger, who have a lot less history of global events and a lot less history and experience of going to the grocery store and seeing empty shelves and uh, and all that. And so the h- how we're engaging it is not only based on our maybe gender or previous experience of work life, home life, that kind of stuff, but then also just our um, our experience of history and where we find ourselves at the age in which we now engage 2020, mm-hmm. right, is, is going to have a big difference um, as well. And then I think also how we've, how we've engaged our previous trauma. Um, and all of us on some level have previous trauma and how we have engaged it or not engaged it is going to really be, in, you know, informing how we are sitting with the current global trauma that you're talking about, this global pandemic that you, you know, just mentioned, Danielle. So it's, everybody's going to be having a different reaction. And I feel like it's important for all of us to recognize that all of us will be having different reactions and there is space enough for us to acknowledge and name these reactions are valid, even if it is different. Right. Uh, and, And to allow for that to inform our communal understanding of what it means to engage this. Uh, so I will be different from you and you will be different from the next person and all are true and all have some level of, of grief that needs to be named. Yeah, that's so good. It's, mm. And it's good to start from a place of curiosity. I was just hearing you talk about, um, we've all experienced trauma on some level. And if we haven't necessarily processed that or understand how we have responded to that, having that, having us be able to unidentify what the way we're feeling is unidentified, that adds another layer to the trauma. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this way. And if we come from a place of curiosity, like, I wonder what is it in me that is feeling this way? And then, like you said, naming it. So for myself personally, I've just been feeling out of sorts. And I was like, what is it that I'm doing? Is it, I'm like, not afraid to be sick. Um, not that I'm like healthier than other people, but I'm just not, that, that part doesn't scare me. I think what scares me is that other people panicking, truly like this, um, this idea of deprivation and then um, not having enough, so scarcity. Because when you go to the stores, like you said, seeing the shelves cleared out, I was like, what is going on right now? And I was uh, I was in my early 20s when uh, 9-11 happened. And so, like, I have this other collective trauma um, experience. I'm just thinking how different this is and how it feels worse somehow. I mean, I wasn't in New York, so please hear that the trauma experience in New York was way different than the trauma experience here in Seattle. Um, but just knowing that there are so many people all around the world that are having these similar scarcity and deprivation and maybe not having a name to name that. So I think coming from a place of curiosity is a great way to start. I feel like too, it's also important to, if we are aware, like in your early twenties, you went through 9-11, um, we were in the Middle East. Uh, living in the Middle East during 9/11, and um, so there was a there was a sense of different trauma of what you all experienced who were living in the United States during that than what we experienced, um, and it wasn't you know it's just different. What we're finding too is in the midst of this current situation, we're returning back to some of the 
the places of rest and the, and the places comfort. of com- comfort and coping that we had back then. Um, and actually allowing ourselves to lean into that a little bit. Like we found comfort in that space or way or person or a TV show, right? Back then, can, can we allow that to also give us comfort here today? Um, and that's why it's important for you to name, like, where have you been and, and how have you experienced trauma before and how, how would you like to enter into it now? I think initially that was really surprising to us. Like, why are we remembering these old 20-year-old TV shows? Why am I, Why are we feeling nostalgic? Why are we being drawn back to these times? And it wasn't until we named, oh, that is what comforted us then. I'm feeling trauma. That's what is happening here. That is what I am feeling, and that is where I am going back to. Where we escaped then. Yeah, or what helped us walk through that that then, then. that helped us lean into it now. Yeah, Yeah. I even noticed that in my kids, that they don't have that other memory, but they have asked to buy, like, an older movie that they remembered from, it, it was the movie Brave. They wanted to watch Brave. And so they've been watching that movie on repeat. And then they also had, we have like an edited version of the movie Signs with Mel Gibson, where there's like that catastrophe. And they've also wanted to watch that over and over and over again. And so I said, well, what's, what's going on? And they're like, well, do you think aliens will come? I was like, I don't know. I don't think so. But it was just interesting to see how they were trying to make sense of, why are we isolated? And so for them, it's interesting that those were the, those have been the two movies that they wanted to watch. And so I, even though they don't have like a memory of that kind of trauma, but they have some, there's, they're looking for something that they can put, uh, like put visual to put sound to put story to, cause they don't really have a way to say it. Mm-hmm. I love how you just said that, Danielle, that they're looking for a way to put story to it because our brains actually process the world in story and narrative form. And so if we can help our children and help ourselves engage in stories and narratives of characters who walk through significant catastrophes, trauma, whatever you will, and survive and are actually, like like you said, brave and find courage, we can borrow some of that courage and hope from those characters and ingest them into our experience even now. And I feel like that's what Beth and I have found from these 20 year olds, you know, TV shows that we're going back to is that we borrowed from them before and, and we're looking to borrow from them again today. I love that. That's great. Tracy, do you have any stories that you borrow from in trauma? As you're, you, you said that you were a uh, story working and working stories and how have you used stories? in the past and then currently with trauma? I know when I think about, I think about my own story um, and I've known, I've known trauma and I've known that desperation, that feeling that you can't trust God, he's not good Mm -hmm. and he's not faithful and he seems uh, absent from where you are and what's happening. And, uh, and I've come out the other side of that. So I, I like to call them like buoys of hope that I have to swim back to. So when the water gets deep and the waves get high, I have a buoy of hope I can swim back to and hold on to um, until the storm rests a little bit. Um, so I think that helps me lend hope to others and hold that kind of space 
I I know you you can't do the work for somebody else, you know. But if you've done your own work, then you can be with them and and walk with them and and hold that space because you've held it for yourself. Mm. So you know what it is to wrestle with God and wonder if He's out there. Um, so those questions don't bother me. They don't make me uncomfortable or tense. Um, and you know, it's it's unnerving right now. I found myself un, unnerved, and uh, and I think when I think about what what like wakes me up in the middle of the night is uh, is like this fear I have around the loss of business. Will it come back? Will we ever be the same again? No, we won't. We won't. We've lived through a global pandemic. And so the world is forever changed by this, and we don't know how or, or what that'll mean yet. So I think I wake up thinking about, you know, what um, what will it mean for my children? What will it mean for the way our country works? Um, what will it mean for my parents? What will it mean for travel? Like those things, because I don't have answers. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I'm a, I think I fear the loss. Well, how can um, our listeners get connected to you all? Where can they find you, your web address or an email? What's the best way to connect with you all? Probably at this point, uh, the best place to go is careduringcorona.com. Okay. okay? And so easy to remember caredurincorona.com that'll come to our restoration counseling website and people can find the groups we mentioned Tracy's group um, and all that as well as um, the virtual possibility of doing square worker counseling with people um, anywhere in the United States and if they felt like a specific connection to one of you can they find you on the website there yeah absolutely okay mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and are there any you know, like, uh, is there age or? Okay. Nope. Nope. Everyone's welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a, a very diverse team as far as backgrounds and age ourselves, as well as like approaches. Um, so there are therapists, there are story work and spiritual counselors, pastoral counselors, spiritual direction is another group. We're offering an online spiritual direction. So just People, whatever places they're coming from or whatever needs they may have, um, our hope is to be able to find a place for them. Gosh, well, thank you so much for for providing this resource for everyone and for for talking with us today. This has been wonderful, and it's been great to see your faces. It feels like we're together, (laughs) even when we're not. So thank you so much for your time and for what you guys are doing. It's incredible work. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.